TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 525, and I'm Livia, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Peru, educator, uh, sci-fi fan, uh, wheel, of, wheel time. of time expert. Go. <laughs> Hi, this is Tom. I chair the Department of Communication at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. All right, let's start with the news. Tom, hit us. What you got? Okay, Amazon, Apple, Disney Plus, and Netflix are going to invest a combined total of as much as $330 million annually in French content. In French content? Oh, okay. In French content. Because everybody's doing the multinational thing. Mm -hmm. Apple TV Plus has renewed Truth Be Told for Season 3 and Invasion for Season 2. And they've announced that that Chris O'Dowd will star in the comedy series The Big Door Prize from Schitt's Creek alumnus David West. Uh, At Disney Plus, Amanda Stenberg, last seen in the ill-fated Dear Evan Hansen film adaptation, is circling the acolyte live-action Star Wars series from Leslie Headland, who's one of the creators of uh, Russian Doll, in an unspecified role. But come on, the rule of the Sith, always two there are, a master and apprentice. So <laughs> I think she's probably going to be an apprentice more than a master. Uh, FX is scra- uh, Disney is scrapping the FX on a Hulu branding, but they are going to put FX at the top of everything that they air uh, throughout the world. Uh, Freeform has ordered its first animated series, Praise PD, with Annie Murphy and John Cho among the voice cast. HBO has announced that The Last of Us has cast Nick Offerman as Bill. Uh, the original actor had a scheduling conflict, which caused him to drop out. And then HBO Max has announced that Colin Farrell will reprise his upcoming Penguin role in a bat in a spinoff of the Batman film. And Sex Lives of College Girls from Mindy Kaling has been picked up for season two. IMDb TV has picked up Leverage Redemption for season two. Netflix has heard the pleas of many fans and canceled Cowboy Bebop live action after one season. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised there. One of the actors even said, maybe the fans are right. It's like, ouch. (laughs) Wow. And they picked up Outer Banks for season three. Uh, Paramount Plus, lots of news. Tom Hanks is doing a guest spot on the forthcoming Yellowstone prequel, 1883. Sylvester Stallone is going to star in the drama series Kansas City from Taylor Sheridan and Terrence Winter. Monica Barbero from the off-delayed Top Gun Maverick is going to star opposite Diego Benita in a bilingual romantic comedy at midnight. She's going to speak English. He's going to speak Spanish. And then their adaptation of All the Light We Cannot See has cast Aria Mia Loberti a first-time actress with low vision as Marie Lohr. I think I might have put that on Paramount+. Plus. I think that's actually on Netflix. Peacock has canceled AP Bio after four seasons. Most people are like, that's still on. That's what I was um, going to say, yeah. Uh, and uh, NBC, Comcast NBC Universal has announced that 
most of their 2022 movies are going to land on Peacock as early as 35 days after release. However, major tent poles like Jurassic World Dominion and Minions The Rise of Gru are exempt from that strategy. And that's all the news. All righty then. Let's start with the shows. First up, we have Wheel of Time. We're going to do episodes four and five. I promise we're going to catch up to current. I just don't want to rush these episodes because there's a lot in them. And episode four is called The Dragon Reborn. And this is the episode where you have the false dragon. Oh, what's his name? Loghain. Loghain. Uh, he's captured and his power is so strong that the Asadai who ha- are traveling with him to the Amalan seat are struggling to contain his power and you see basically the difference between his power and their power and how arrogant he is and this episode they really break down the different color Aja a little bit and you get to see some of the warders you see the green Aja that they have multiple warders you see the red Aja and how I don't know what's the word I would use to describe them like um, manipulative and misogynistic? Yes. Or no? No, the opposite of misogynistic. So, yeah, so you get to see what the different Aja are kind of like. You see the blue, and basically they show where Moraine fits in the power struggle and, or structure, and you see um, Lan hang out with other warders, and Nynaeve gets to hang out with them too and, and kind of get a feel for that world. And at the same time, you have. Uh, Perrin and um, Egwene are with the, the Tinkerers, and then you have Matt and Ran are wandering in some random city, and then they meet, finally, uh, the Gleeman. Tom Marilyn. Tom Marilyn. Thank you. Uh, so, I'm going to let Peru talk. No, no, no you, you wanted to talk first this time, so what did you think of this episode, Dragon Reborn? How did you feel about it? Well, you know, the only reason why they... Well, no, no. I guess they call it Dragon Reborn because of what? Loghain? Because of Loghain, yeah. But otherwise, it makes no sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, the there's a lot of deviation. Like, a lot. Um, well, just don't talk... Just the episode itself. You yeah. should just explain what the episode was. Like, no, no, no. But, I mean, how did you feel? Like, what were... For me, I'm getting these two mixed together in my uh, head. Okay, well, for me, what was really interesting about the Dragon Reborn is really to see his power, to see how powerful Loghain was compared to the Aja. They were, they had two, three of the Aja working together to try to contain him, and that was really right. They suggested in the book, but in the, this, they actually showed the difference between yeah, the yeah. male power and the female power, and. And also because it's showing how strong he is, and it, and it makes you understand why he truly believes that he's, he's a dragon, dragon reborn. reborn. Right. And it's not like a, like just some sort this of scam. This is like a channel with a little flicker. Yeah. Right. It wasn't really a scam. And what was really cool for me, too, was there's this scene where um, Moraine comes up to him, and she tells him that she studied the prophecy, she knows about the dragon reborn, and she tells him that as strong as he is, when the dragon is really reborn, his power will seem like a, a, a tiny flame compared right. to the sun. That's true. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm crazy powerful. And then at the end, when he actually sees Nynaeve's power, he's like, 
Oh. Right, right. He's like, oh, that's what you meant. Right. And so that was really a great moment for me. Like, that that meant a lot to me. Like, Nani's power, they talk about her being um, as powerful as Asadai. They say, what, a thousand years ago? But honestly, her power goes back to the the time of, what's his face? Heroes? The actual dragon. Right. Uh, her power is on that level. So um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Anybody Wait, else want to so, chime in? So Go. Go ahead, Yusuf. Well, so, but so, um, uh, so did you end up, what I'm not hearing though is because, you know, last week I, I felt like you were much, you know, you were not super down with the show or the episode. Did you like both this episode and the show better or worse? Both. <laughs> I mean, uh, both. Like, well, thank you it's, for it's, clarifying uh, the, 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 whatever this episode is. So um, what they did was they added stuff to it. Um, like the blood for blood is the, the, the water, the end of it. Um, oh yeah. That was really right, good. Right. Right. So, uh, there's some things that they add to the story. Um, like blood, blood, we can talk about blood for blood. What's that called? Blood called blood. Um, at the end, uh, when land, can I, can I talk about it? Yeah, yeah. Saw it? yeah. All right. So when one of the waters dies, uh, Lon is, uh, you know, in the, in the book, Lon is very, Stoic. Stoic. He doesn't display his emotion whatsoever. And the only time you really see Lon's uh, display of emotions either through Moraine or if it involves Nynaeve. That's the only time he shows emotion. Right. Um, and here what they did was uh, Lon is a different type of character than in the book. Uh, so here uh, his friend dies and he shows his emotion. And it's Moraine who is the stoic one in this one. And Well, she's stoic in the book. Too. Well, she's stoic in the book, but... There's other times where yeah. she does display emotion, but that's okay. All right, so in this one, in this case, she's the stoic one, and you can see that she's affected by his pain. That shows the it bond shows the between, link, yeah, the bond between the the, the water and and the um. Well, also the fact that that guy kills himself after his after his uh, uh, Asa die dies. Right. The fact that everyone is watching him and they know how affected he is, and they're trying everything they can to try to give him another purpose. And he's playing it off like, oh, I'm fine. And then when he kills himself, nobody's really surprised. Right. But, because it happens so often. I right. Guess. And so, but then to see how affected Lan is at the end was really moving. Right. But let's yeah, uh, have, I, some, let's so, have somebody... So, wait, 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 wait. so what I wanted to say was, they add stuff that's really well done, but they just throw out the book as far as other stories and... You know, and, and some of the things that they add aren't in the book, but are good, are really well done. But like I said, they throw away a lot that gives you insight to the overall story. Let's just say that. I, I, All right, go I'd, ahead. I'd like now, to respond Yusuf. to that. Uh, because I, like I said, I never read the book. I didn't even know it existed. Um, and I, you know, I think last week, I think it sounded like I was one of the people that liked it, you know, the most or was very, you know, happy about it. Um, it it's, and I, we all, I agree that it isn't like the best show and, and, you know, and this and that, but, um, uh, and, and Peru hit on, on, you know, a lot of the main points, the dragon, the false dragon, uh, kills someone, right? right. Where are we yeah. that far up? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, okay, in this, yeah. Okay, great. So I really don't remember where we're at. I really want to talk about that. I thought that was really powerful. You know, um, you know, you know, it was very believable that she would sacrifice herself to save the other, uh, the other uh, Aes Sedai. Um, and there was the, to talk about the death scene. Um, 
I, th I thought there was a really beautiful or, you know, interesting line where, uh, and it made it even more powerful, where the head guy who was performing like the whole ceremony or ritual or whatever, he said, and now Lon is going to express all of our sorrow. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it was like- You're in a completely different episode. But that's fine. That's the, that we're covering right. that episode. We're doing both, right? Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I, in speaking in general, I think the series, it's, you know, it isn't great. It isn't perfect. I, I do have problems with it. But I really um, think, and I say this is a rebuttal to Peru, it, it is not possible to have every character, every, you know, storyline, every, every, everything. And everything that I've been reading, and because the reviews have been mixed, um, is that a lot of people, including book readers, have decided that they're like, oh, okay, I see now that they are doing this, that they're going to, you know, throw away characters. Like, there was an interview with the producers. They said that they, at like, and I think some people are saying stuff from different books have been smushed into this first season, right. you know? So I think you just, and it sounds like you have, you're like, well, they added stuff that's even actually good. So I think really, you know, if you're saying that they changed it and some of the changes are good, then you have to kind of let it go in the sense that, okay, and some of the stuff they took away is, you know, bad, but it is what it is. It's a new series. So that being said, um, the, the articles I read also was something else I touched upon. I really like the bond between the Asadai and and their warders, and this that episode was really, um, ex, you know, exposed that, highlighted it, you know, because they were talking about the link. So apparently, it's a thing. It's not something that they were necessarily trained to do, or like, I mean, obviously, you know, they they grew up that way and all that. But they talk specifically about the link can be broken. So that's an interesting kind of a thing because to me that changes the dyna dynamic a little bit because it isn't fully a conscious like super I you know what I mean kind of thing. But anyway, overall, I think the series is getting better from episode to episode and I honestly this is how I can tell when I really do like a series and I think the series has gotten good. I was very disappointed when I realized there wasn't another episode for me to watch. I'm not watching the I'm not talking about the last episode at all on on podcast. But for me, I was like, ah, oh, you know? So for me, it's really gotten rolling. And and I think that the whatever episode five we're talking about through there um, really made me excited for six, so I couldn't stop watching it. So to me, it's now highly bingeable. All right. So I know somebody might have some more things to say, but we've been on this too long. We need to move on. Uh, the next show we're going to talk about is Succession, and this is the penultimate episode. And you know how much I don't watch Succession, so you guys can go <laughs> forth and discuss it. Well, well, well. Just when it looked like Roman was in the catbird seat, he mistakenly sends Dad a picture of his genitalia that was yes. meant for Jerry. And <laughs> Papa is nonplussed. Because <laughs> all those rumors from season one about him having some issues... <laughs> resurfaced, and Shiv is only too willing to take advantage of her brother's misfortune. <laughs> Speaking of which, Kendall is not in a good way by the end of this episode either. Yeah. And Alexander Skarsgård character is a... Is it a chaotic... <laughs> what's the D&D what's the &D term? I've never played the game, but he, he turns to be an agent of chaos because he's, you know, he's playing a little hard to get and maybe is leveraging... Uh, leveraging the interest in the uh, merger into driving his stock price up and then saying, well, maybe I should buy y'all out. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, this, this show is so fascinating because you, you really, 
you almost have nobody to root for because everybody's so awful, but there are people who are somewhat less awful from week to week than others. So I don't know. It really is a by the week kind of thing. Allison, I almost texted you after I got done watching last week's episode. It's like, what the what? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I went online to to see what, what people were saying about it because I was like, wait, did, did what just happened really just happened? Did I just watch that? Is, is that what I think is going on? So yeah, it was, it was one of those episodes, but I mean, everything about, this particular episode uh, leading up to all the, the various things that, that occurred was fantastic. I mean, you've got this, this crazy wedding that's supposed to be taking place <laughs> between the kid's uh, mother, Logan's ex-wife, and a guy who is clearly a fortune hunter. I mean, he practically advertises mm-hmm. it in neon over his head, uh, played by Pip Torrens, who's, who's known for playing creeps incredibly well. Except for um, on The Crown. That's true. He's he's a decent person there, but he usually he usually plays one flavor or another of of despicable person, and he does it incredibly well. Um, and and he you know he's he's just funny in this one as well. But it, watch watching the the kids relate to their various parents um, was oh my god! It just the, the dysfunctionality on display, and you see the roots of it. There there's you know very telling the conversation between Shiv and her mother that takes place uh, during the party where she, you know, her mother admits to the fact that she, she just says to Shiv, I should never have had children. Which, which, which is sure. basically the equivalent, I wish you'd never been born. Never been born, <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's, it's just gutting and it's horrible. And then she goes on to say that, you know, what she really wanted was a dog, but she never, <laughs> she never got one because Logan has a habit of kicking whatever he loves to see if it'll keep coming. Oh, I love back. that line. That was great. I love that, that was an amazing line. And as soon as he said it, it just stuck with me because it was exactly how he treats his yep. his own kids. All and of it, them. It, all of them. And and the thing that that got me on as far as what she said, not only that it was so true about Logan, but it was it revealed so much about herself that she cared more about a theoretical dog than the the lives of her own kids because she could see it was okay to 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 have children with this monster who she knew would abuse them and and she left them with him when their marriage broke up um so it's it's just it's it's, i mean it's just spectacularly horrible and it's such a fantastic performance um oh my god i'm blanking on her uh the name of the actress who plays uh, the mother, but she's because uh, she's been in a million things and she's wonderful. Uh, but this this modulated performance, where on the one hand you just know that she's her own kind of monster, but on the other you f- you actually feel weirdly sorry for her. Uh, so it's it's just this this level of twisting, and then Shiv goes on to to go back to uh, to her husband and dig the knife in there, and it's it's just goes back and forth the whole thing with with roman texting his father that picture um of his private parts was just i could not stop laughing that was that was hilarious it was gold it was terrible and, and they, they showed it, it hilarious and they showed it which is like okay Ew. hbo but the thing that of course stuck with me the real coda of this episode 
um, was the relationship with with Kendall and his father and how he finally gives up and says, that's it. Okay, fine. Buy me out. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm not going to keep attacking you. I'm just done with everything. You, you sent me this thing in my card saying, you know, well, you'll buy me out. Let's do it. And Logan refuses because it's just too much fun to keep digging at his son and manipulating him. And when his when Kendall comes back with, I'm a better person than you, Logan goes for the kill shot and reminds him of what happened to the, the caterer uh, at the party who drowned because of, because of Kendall. And the, you can see what it does to him. And by the end of the episode, when you see him on that pool float and his head drops into the water and he loses, you know, he, he lets go of the beer that he's been drinking and you just see those little bubbles coming out from his mouth. I, I was like, are they going to really go there? And we still don't know. It's, I mean, it could go either way. I think it's the way they've constructed Kendall's character this year. It would make perfect sense to wrap up his character like this and say, yeah, this is Logan destroying his son. Um, on the yeah, other yeah, hand, I we, really, guys, we, really would hate to lose Kendall. So yeah, I don't so, know. Uh, I guess we'll find out tonight. Yeah, we need to wrap this up. Is And I know Peter hasn't spoken yet. So, Peter, can you say what you want to say real quick? Yeah, I thought <clears> – <throat> no, I mean, I I agree. Um, I thought it was a fantastic penultimate episode. Um, I, I honestly don't know if they're going to – I mean, it, it feels like they're going to kill him or put him in a coma or something because they may <clears> – <throat> They very much make a note of like his son is the only one at the pool and his son decides to go back to the hotel. So so seeing him fall asleep and those little bubbles is very much like he is alone, you know, which which would be so fitting if that's how he were to die. It would be so like tragic and stuff. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I'm, But I, I think overall, no, overall, I agree with everything you're saying. The only thing I wanted to add is that line that you said about that uh, Logan likes to kick it, you know, kick a dog and see if it comes back to him. Everything. You know what's really interesting about this show is that when I started this show, I thought of it as like, oh, it's kind of like a King Lear thing, and it's like it's all about power and these children that are vying for their father's attention because they want this power. I think what season three has really shown to me is that, in a weird way, the relationship between the children and the father is so, you know, um, dysfunctional and sick that. You could almost see this happening if they weren't super rich, like that he's just an abusive father that the children bend over backward for for his attention. But normally when I watch the show, I'm always like, oh, it's because of the money. But I honestly, I think it's it really goes, it's much worse than that. It's not just the greed. It really is like they all want his love. And to me, that, that makes, to me, that makes the show very powerful. Uh, but anyways, it, yeah, I thought it was great. Really good. All right, so you guys are saying thumbs up. We're going to move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Hawkeye, and this was episode five? Four. Four? Four. Okay. Uh, and this episode, last week was really great because it was all about the banter uh, between Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, and it was them working as a team, and it was very cute. And this week, they kind of reminded us of the stakes, which is she's a, still a kid, and she could die doing this and which her mom reminds Hawkeye of 
And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll make sure she doesn't participate. And then five minutes later, she's participating. But by the end of the episode, what I like is they introduce the idea of this assassin. And he's like, oh, this just got real. Like, no, you, you have to stop. So Not just I, an assassin, a black widow. Yes, <laughs> right. And then we knew this character was coming because of the end of the movie Black Widow. She was obviously going to come after Bart. But um, Clint. Bart, Clinton. That's what I meant. To but say. wait, why do, do, do we make? Does any any episode? I mean, the, does the movie make it clear why she's coming after? Yeah, at the, at the the post credit sequence, she's told by I forgot what French Val. Yeah, she's told uh, by this sketchy agency that Madame Hydra uh, that Clint is responsible for um, Scarlet's death. Scarlet's yes, sister's even death, though yeah. he's not, because we he's all not. saw what happened. But the sister doesn't know what happened. And so this okay, other person tells her, do you want revenge on, uh, for your sister? This guy killed her. So that's why, So we knew she was going to come after uh, Clint soon. And so it's not really a surprise that she's coming. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. So I liked the introduction of her. And it did take me a second because I was like, who the heck is this mass person that's trying to kill them? <laughs> and then I went, oh. And I figured it out before they actually pulled her mask off. Uh, but I like that the story got sort of, you still have their banter and their relationship. and They spent Christmas together. But it got a little deep and dark when he starts making all these confessions about his life and how he sees himself. And then you get the assassin and he's like, okay, we got to play time's over. He was like, yeah, that was all fun, but now we're in some serious territory. So, uh, Tom, what did you think? Uh, I love it. My favorite line in the whole episode, which comes very early, why is there an Avenger in my living room? <laughs> <laughs> From Mom, who we all suspect is up to no good for reals. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But no, I really, I really like how they balance. It's kind of a buddy comedy, buddy action comedy, except for you have, you know, the, the partners are, you know, an older male and a younger female, so you've got the big dad energy going. But no, I'm really, I'm, I'm very happy with Hawkeye, and uh, yeah, it's just um, <laughs> the thing. I still don't know what to make of uh, Tony Dalton's character because in the comics, that character, the swordsman, was a uh, was one of Clint's uh, uh, mentors. So obviously, they're not going that way. But I still think it's too easy to say. He, I mean, obviously he's up to something, but I think it's a misdirect to think that he's the big bad because I think that's mom. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Unless, I agree. Mom the unless big dad. dad faked his death. I think that's also possible. Yeah, never saw I do too. Yeah, I, I think mean, they, they cast they cast someone who was who is pretty obvious Broadway and prominent. Brian, Brian yeah, Darcy and James. for for you know a character that you you blink and you miss him. That was really weird casting, unless we're expected to see him again. So I am definitely expecting to see him again. Definitely. All right. Any, mm-hmm. other, Big fat any other comments about this? I, I just want to log in because I think I like this series least of all you guys. Um, and, I, and Tom, you nailed it. I just want to agree on podcast that once I realized, right, 
just absolutely it dawned on me. I was like, oh, this is kind of like an action buddy cop film from like, you know, the late 90s or the 90s, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and they haven't made a lot of them now, but, you know, with all the way back to even like Rush Hour and Lethal Weapon and, you know, it's comedy drama. There's the, you know, pitter patter. And then there's this. I was like, oh, I got it. And once I realized that, I, I eased into the to the series a little bit more. And I feel like I liked the last episode and, and this one uh, the most. And I do feel a little bit more hopeful about it for myself. Uh, so I definitely have come around a bit more, but it really took me to kind of understand what they were attempting to do. And there were even uh, shots like straight up where it even it's like shot in this particular kind of color and it's a little retro-y and I was like, ah, got it. And now I just feel like, okay, I'm just going to lean into, you know, that. So I just wanted to say that if people aren't, you know, really liking it, I, I personally have definitely come around a bit. Yeah, right. I've, I've liked it. I've started liking it a lot better. I think the first two episodes were uneven at best, but mm -hmm. I think that they've leaned into really getting us in invested in the characters mm. and since then I've become a lot more happy with the show I think I you know it's it's still not what I think of as one of the best of the Marvel TV shows but I'm really getting into the story and and also I'm looking forward to to revelations of characters that we already know from you know Marvel TV uh, I'm, I'm really kind of hoping that we do actually see um, Kingpin, they because they've been mm -hmm. hinting around and hinting around, and that is a that is a character I would really love to see make an appearance in this series. All right, the the, the confirmation that um, the new Spider-Man opens up this week and Marvel last week confirmed that um, that Daredevil Charlie Cox Daredevil is yes. in that movie, which lends belief that. That's got to be D'Onofrio because we saw the form and we heard the voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, last thing, I love that the stakes are smaller because so many of the Marvel series are, this is going to happen and the world's in jeopardy. And this is a personal story about, I'm trying to get home to my wife and kids for Christmas and trying to keep this kid from not dying. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap yeah, this one up. We, we gotta, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, so th I think thumbs up overall from everybody, for especially for the last one. Uh, yeah, sure. Next next up, we're going to talk about Doctor Who, episode four and five. I'm still not caught up. We're still not up to, to, to date, but we're getting there. So episode four was the Village of the Angels. And in that episode, we have an entire town of weeping angels just coming. Uh, and there's two, there's 1967, there's 1901, and there's current day? I don't know if they're in current day at all. But the angels are very persistent about getting in this house and getting to this woman, and we don't know why everybody wants to get to this woman. Um, and the twist of it, I thought was pretty good. And I did like um, the fact that you find out that an angel's like hitchhiking inside this, which was weird. I was like, even... But really, I love how they explained it because as a psychic or as a seer or whatever, it's because right. she, she like saw it in her mind. That what That's why the... And that allowed it into her mind? Right. That was awesome. I like that twist. And um, I don't remember a lot that happened in the series. So I'll just jump in about the angels. Um, and the fact that like it came through like a fax, it came through a TV, like all of that linking of the imagery 
was awesome. I thought that was really cool. Um, I will say, though, that the creepiness factor was cool because there were so many of them, like an right. army. However, so, it, you know, however, look, I'll never get sick of the angels. But for me, the whole thing is they're hardly ever really seen. Like, you know, the, you don't spend a lot of time. It's like they're closer, they're closer. And then, the, rah, you know, but we've, we throughout the episode, we see that happen a lot. And we see a lot of them, you know, so it's a little to me like, oh, the mystery and the mystique is a little bit worn off. Mm -hmm. But for me, the showing us how in how many different ways the angels can get at you. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Allison. Um, again, you guys like this a whole lot better than I do. I, I have I, I'm already finished with the I saw the final episode. I know that's we're not what we're talking about. But I, I have not found anything to like about this entire series. It's a waste of time for me. And the, <laughs> the, the Village of the Angels, although there were certain things that I liked about it, I liked the introducing of the Professor Jericho character. I thought he was great. Um, the, the bit in the village itself, the tension that they ratcheted up, all of that was terrific. But then you get to the end where... You know, and, and Doctor Who has just a, a history lately of doing this kind of thing where they take a character that really is great or a species they've come up with, like the, like the Weeping Angels, which is, is scary and, and wonderful, and then they find a way to overuse them until they undermine the hell out of them and they're not frightening anymore and they're not even what they started out being. And that's what this episode did as far as the, we the Weeping Angels was concerned because by the end of the episode, they're not even behaving like they're supposed to they're not they don't have anything to do with what they did they can touch people sometimes and not touch people others and sometimes they send them back in time and other times they don't and you know and it just it, it just became completely random and now they're agents of this this organization yeah. and i i'm like by the end of it i i just was throwing my hands up and going i'm so over this Okay. And thank you for for ruining the Weeping Angels forever. <laughs> um, so I was I felt wait 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 Tom, uh, Tom's got his hand up. He wants to talk. Um, this was probably my second favorite Weeping Angels episode. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of going to split the difference between you, son, and Allison. Um, the inconsistency, the, the new twists were interesting. Anything that carries the image of an angel that was kind of cool. The torn up. Well, they've done that before, though. They they that goes back to um, I think the very first uh, instance, Blink, where a, a transmission on, on the TV could bring in. A yeah, they could come angel. through the TV. They did establish they yeah. could come through the TV. Yeah, they did, but um, I forgot. <laughs> but, but the thing with the paper, the paper that was torn up in the fireplace. Yeah, that was cool. That was great. Yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. Um, my biggest problem with the, and it was, there were some genuinely, genuinely scary points in the episode. I used to show this to my, I used to show Blink to my screenwriting students, and some of the guys would be like, this is scary. It's like, dude, man. <laughs> um, however, comma, on the other side, my problem with the whole miniseries, or whatever you want to call it, it's way too, not complex, it's way too complicated. They've mm -hmm. got too many characters, yes. too many time periods. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the beauty of Blink is it's self-contained. It's a great episode to introduce people to Doctor Who. Because you've got all these other weird plot threads going on. This episode isn't self-contained. And I just wish, boy, Chibnall, you know, don't let the door hit you where the, where, where the maker splits you. Because you had a couple great episodes season, season one, literally two. But man, most of your run has been terrible. 
Yes. I agree. Just, just, I and I love Jodie so Whittaker, and she's going to get the blame for it because, and people will say, oh, that's what we have when you have a lady. No, the female doctor is great, but her writer was not great. Yeah, yeah. I yes. just really want to, real quickly, I did not love the episode, and I also finished, so I want to just agree with Allison that um, I think the whole se- Tom, it isn't, it, I don't think, it's definitely not supposed to be self-containerist thing. The whole six episodes is one big story moving towards the finale, and, and I agree with you that there's way too much going on, way too many characters, although they do explain it as to why there are all the moving chess pieces, because again, we know that it's the end of the world, so they again. I spoke first and only spoke about the angels because that is pretty much the only thing I liked about it. And I let all of you all talk because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with everything they said. So so I just want to make sure that I'm not saying pushing the series or even the episode. I just found something to really like about it. And, and that was it. Otherwise, I am all on board with the rest of you. All right. Well, we we need to uh, move on to the next thing, which is uh, Chucky. Peter, you want to sell Chucky to us? Why should we? It, it's on Sci-Fi Channel, I believe. No, it's not. It's on Peacock. My oh, what? Uh, <clears throat> I had watched the pilot okay. last month or whatever, um, but then the only way I could watch it was like on the Sci-Fi app or something where I had to watch commercials. But, you know, commercials without TiVo is really annoying because it's the same commercials it streams. I was like, ah, forget it. And then I heard recently that Chucky, after its eight episodes, it was renewed for season two. And the reviews at IGN and AV Club were pretty good, and a friend of mine like liked it. So um, I started watching it on Peacock uh, this week, and I've seen like three episodes. And I think it's good. I think that, I guess the reason I would bring it up for listeners of this podcast is because we talk a lot about shows on the CW, and it basically is a CW show. Like it's essentially, it's essentially normally like the main premise of Child's Play, the first one, is that it's a little boy who I think he's like eight years old or something, and he gets this doll, and the doll is possessed by a serial killer, and you know it's basically a it's a it's you know it's an 80s slasher movie, which is fine. Like I I like that and everything, but. I was curious how you do a show of this because mm-hmm. I was like, well, in the movie, the whole thing is is that it's like the kid doesn't quite realize that his, to- his doll, that his imaginary friend is actually real and it's, you know, again, until the end or whatever. In this, what they do is it's teenagers. The main character, I think, is Jake, and he is somewhat closeted, and his father is super homophobic and ashamed of his son. <clears throat> but it the high school... He's kind of like, kind of a kind of a loner, loser. Um, and there's like, you know, a mean girl and everything. What I I'm, what I like about the show is that essentially my problem was like, well, how do you do a slasher thing as a as a TV show? Because as I think Libya, didn't you and I watch Scream? I think we did. Yes, we did. <clears throat> and Scream was okay because it was basically just trying to be an extended version of the movie. I think the difference here is that while I wouldn't say it's a one-to-one ratio, essentially the kid, Jake, and Chucky have kind of a bond. And basically Chucky literally says in the second episode, I only kill bad people, which is very different than Chucky in the movies. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so it's sort of like a Dexter thing. Now, 
of course. I am sure that as the show goes on, he's going to break that rule because he's he's a socio, you know, he's a psychopath or whatever. But I think to me, what I like about it is I like the relationship between him and Chucky. Basically, you know, there's a, there's basically a mean girl, and Chucky's like, we just need to kill her. You just, you know, she is a terrible person. And as an audience, you're like, yeah, she is a terrible person. We should kill her. Like, uh, but of course, the main character is like, no, I can't, I can't do that, and everything. And that to me is the crux of what works about the show is that you have C, what I'm calling CWS characters of of high school and everything, but then you have this su- also a supernatural element of this doll, and it's you know it's kind of funny and you know and it hasn't really been super bloody or anything I I think because I know Olivia I know you're not a big horror horror fan but your like of CW shows I'm like I think you'd be okay with this anyways that's why I brought this up. Because I know we, we talk about CW shows a lot. I would be curious to see what Allison and Tom think. I'm not saying it's the greatest show of all time, but I think it's solid. It's it's pretty entertaining. So there you go. Yeah. It's not that I'm about – I don't do horror. That's what you're forgetting. Whether it's CW or not, I just don't do horror. We're going to move on. Uh, next oh. up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And this was episode four, I believe. And this episode is more about more the thing that politics. Was, is politics. politics. But what but what I think is interesting is this season has been more about emotions and how people are dealing with trauma and what PTSD is to the point where they took Halber, who's the medical doctor, and basically transformed him into a therapist. And I was like, oh, he's- ah. They, they've said they've said outright that he is doubling as the ship's counselor. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. that's pretty much what I'm saying. I'm like, how does he do his job at all? He's got too much yeah. to do. So, I, and those are two very different jobs. And uh, watching him try to switch over, they basically are really spending a lot of time with Book, which I because the actor is so good, I don't mind spending a lot of time with him and his grief and what he's going through. I don't mind it. And the politics this week about you know they're trying to reform the federation and how hard of a task that is has was good i will point out that tilly's mission was the galileo 7 i was like this seems really familiar that was 100 percent the galileo 7 right or an unused script for prodigy oh whatever man <laughs> you did see uh, help me out is that not the plot for galileo 7 though come on tom it is it is the plot for galileo 7 but it really felt like it could have been an Absolutely, episode of Prodigy. Tom. Absolutely. And that, and that was my best friend from the Academy texted me and said, is it my imagination or has the writing for Discovery gone downhill this year? I did not dig that Tilly plotline at all. At all. At all. Up. No. I actually, was I was, when they started it, when they started saying she was going to be on uh, this away mission with a bunch of kids, and I just started rolling my eyes and going, oh, my God, can I fast forward through this? It's be the entire episode. Oh, kill me now, please. It was just, well, funny, it, it, I couldn't funny. think of anything I'd rather not sit through than that. The only thing that made it tolerable was that by the end, they got rid of Tilly. Thank you. Oh, wow. Well, wow. yeah, they, wow. they took yeah. her off wow. the show. Okay. She's, I, I don't know if they, they're no, she's, a she's not off the show. They took her off the ship. Yeah. Well, let's tell it. Let's put it that I, way. I, 
I have to agree with, I think we all, we're all going here. I won't, it's a pile on. But there was that line where she was, they were all like, is this a simulation? Is this a hologram? And, and, and she was like, no. And I was like, oh, so you can't end this quickly? Because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like waiting for her to be like, you know, psych, it is a hologram. I mean, a holographic thing. And, and then it's this simulation is over. And I was like, please let it be simulation. Please let this be a simulation. So I think we're all agreeing that that was terrible. I, I didn't I agree to that. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Th those who have spoken. Tom, I just want to say uh, this is a tiny rebuttal. I think in general, I agree with you, except there have been that one episode, you know, that really, really fe featured a booker. Uh, there have been moments here and there where I thought the the, the writing was really, like, lovely or powerful or deep, because uh, as, uh, as Libya um alluded to or uh, flat out said the se season does seem to really focus on the emotional this and that so it i thought it gave the, uh, the the show an opportunity to kind of transcend in the way that good sci-fi does you know real human issues and so i thought that the plot uh, the dialogue and the script in in that area only uh, I thought it was good, but yeah, I agree with you. Overall, it is—is is it a bit weaker? Yes, but I thought when they do the like moving moments, you know, just to phrase it, you know, uh, I thought that was that was really good. Um, so yeah, and then the Tilly thing—I like Tilly more than clearly Allison does, um, and I'm okay with moving her off the ship uh, just just to see give you know give the world a little bit of a bigger whatever. I mean, I don't. I'm not finding it super interesting, but you know, it's a change and I'm, I like change. I'll, I like to see where they go with it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, I give it thumbs up. Uh, apparently you guys were a little less thumbs up. Uh, next sideways, up, definitely <laughs> sideways. Next up, we're going to talk about just like that, I believe, which is this, the, not a spinoff, but I guess the continuation of sex in the city. Sequel series. Sequel yeah. series. There you go. So uh, I'm going to let uh, Peter lead this off since he was more the most excited about this. You know, it's funny. I um, I had I, – I was a fan of the first three seasons of Sex and the City back in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, you know, kind of uh, probably the same way people were with The Sopranos. It was it, – they were shows on HBO that kind of like felt – you know, sure, a little more, a little more edgy and stuff than network television, because um, you know at the time that's kind of what cable was doing. Um, but I always really liked the cast, but the show all kind of like faltered for me after a couple seasons. But I always really liked those first three seasons. So recently, because I had heard they were doing this weird legacy series, like I guess or whatever, I rewatched. I kind of cherry picked certain episodes on HBO Max. And I reminded myself that I really liked the show. I was like, yeah, this really holds up. I was like, you know, some of the jokes are dated and, you know, some of the some of the politics and stuff, you know, aren't as progressive as they probably were back 20 years ago. But I still enjoyed it. Um, when I heard they were doing the show, but that Samantha was not coming back. Um, was that Kim Cattrall, Tom? Yeah. Kim Cattrall? Yes. Yeah. I was a little concerned because I was like, yeah, how's that going to work? Um, so... Basically, HBO Max dropped the first two episodes, and it's interesting because, on the one hand, what what I was reminded of when I watched Sex and the City recently was I was like, wow, when we think of girls or Insecure or I'm sure there are other shows I'm forgetting, there are a lot of shows that we could sort of see as built on the, the house that Sex and the City built, sure. which is like there are these shows about – 
you know, strong, independent women, usually in some kind of big city. In girls, it's New York again. In Insecure, it's uh, Los Angeles. But those recent shows are like kind of dramas slash comedies. It's not that they don't have humor, but they're not really just comedies. Sex in the City is a comedy. It's like, it is just 30 minutes of like, mostly, I mean, not saying that there can't be some drama, but very much coming out of the sitcom era. What surprised me about And Just Like That is it is more like Girls or Insecure that the drama is very much taking center stage. And what they do, because this is, you know, story about older women now and their partners, is they kill off one of the main characters in the pilot. And that's actually where the title comes from. And she basically says, and just like that, Big died. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and I have to say, I was I was surprisingly emotionally weepy. And the second episode is basically a funeral. I've seen online, we'll see what Tom says. I've seen online that people have not liked this. I think they want it to just be more funny. I get that. I, I get it. I, I get that criticism. But it the show to me feels like a natural extension of what where these characters would be. So I'm like, yeah, I'm so I'm on board. So far I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on board. Tom. I didn't watch it. I watched it. I I teed it up for Tom and he didn't see it. Sorry. No, I I watched like the first couple minutes and I'm like, what? He's like, nah, not <laughs> so, I'd be curious to see what you think of how they handled Big's death. I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. Like they deal with it's 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 they kind die. of an interesting funeral scene. I don't know. What? I don't be curious. For uh, for me, Samantha brought so much life to the party. She, she does. Do it, and trying to do it without her just seems. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll finish it sometime. But I agree. Was, just I agree. just the opening few minutes, I'm like, you didn't. And it's always a. It, for me, it's always kind of a bait and switch when you take a comedy series that people love that has a long run and then do the follow-up, which is a, not a not a comedy. It's now a drama. I'm just like, ooh. Yeah, so. I guess. Well, you know, I guess I like that right now in my life. As you know, I am. I'm a little younger than the characters in the show, but I guess I I do like that in my middle age. But I see what you're saying, Tom. Anyways, so I I'm enjoying it. Well, thanks for telling me that Big dies. He's one of my favorite characters. It's wow. in the open, man. I didn't watch it. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> then you Here, need it's, to it's, have it's, left the it's room. It's in the open. <laughs> All right, we got to move on. We got to move on. I'm going to check it out, though. I am. It seems interesting enough. I want to see the, the change from comedy to drama. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the 4400 again. We talked about it, I think, just at the pilot, and all of us hated it. Uh, but uh, but me and Peru ended up watching it together, and I think God, we watched like six episodes or something. Um, and the second time I watched the pilot, when I didn't have high expectations and I already knew it wasn't that great, <laughs> uh, it actually played better for me. And I was like, oh, this isn't terrible. Uh, so you're and, saying you, once you knew it was mediocre? Yes, basically. You, you leaned into the mediocrity. Exactly, like, exactly. <laughs> but but I will say I did start to enjoy it as I was going on. I started to like the characters. But as it went on, I actually had another problem, which is them being locked in that hotel went on way too long. Um, and they had no reason. Like, once they established that the, the people weren't contagious and that they were telling the truth as far as they knew and that they were missing persons 
Like, it didn't make sense, especially the people from more current, because there are some people who were only missing for, like, a year or two. So it made no sense to keep them locked up with these super racist guards who were beating people with bully clubs for no reason. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. I was like, what is this? So other than that part, which I thought was just inexplainable, uh, once the story actually starts moving and you, you start to get to the characters and their powers and they, they start to establish that all the 4400 have powers and, and they kind of get turned on one after the other, that's when it started to be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Um, and they finally, I think we're at like episode six or seven, they finally are letting them out of the hotel and putting them up in these houses uh, but the ominous government is put trackers in their blood and are now tracking them. They're like, they're just now in a bigger cage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But it's, it, it was, I'd say it's entertaining. Proof? <sighs> I said you yawned. Yeah, you said But here's the only other person that saw it, so you gotta at least give a I'm comment. Sorry. Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. It's cool. Um, <laughs> enthusiasm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I love the original 4400. Like, at least the first few seasons of, of 4400 was phenomenal. Like, phenomenal. Uh, this is okay. It's, it's, I don't know where they're going to go with it. We don't, you know, I don't know. It, it's not, it's not following the original series at but No, all. that's not, that's not the issue. It's just, it's just. So, so basically for someone who is trying to debate whether or not they, she wants to start it, i.e. me, you're saying that the show was terrible. And, and now terrible. you're saying it's Absolutely mediocre. So watch the show. Is that no, what I, it, I'm saying it's absolutely mediocre. Watch the original right. 4400. That's what I'm saying. Agreed. No, but I didn't see the original 4400. So I, I know. Say, That's what I'm saying. If I you have a choice, yeah, you should watch the original 4400. It's, That's it's, what it's I'm available. saying. Yeah. It has it has Mahershala Ali before he took the last two syllables off his first name. Yeah. Uh... Seriously, it used to be two syllables longer. Yes, that's true. No, I know. I'm laughing because you you pointed it up. You brought it up. Yeah, I I know you're saying you think that because this is more contemporary, you want to watch more contemporary show. Right. But it's a mediocre contemporary show. Mm. You should watch the original 4400, which is actually an exceptional show. All right, fair, fair. I could, like I because that was my argument off podcast was no, but I want to see you know what's going on right now. Now is not the time for me to go back and see a you know an older show, which I I would do intend to. Do. But um, so I won't. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not going to rush to see 4400, but I will wait to see the original 4400. Then there you I go. will I'll say that. Yeah, they force a lot of uh, issues on the audience. Oh, uh, he's uh, they're trying to they're trying to be a little too woke. Yeah, it's not even as subtle. Uh, nah, not even a little bit. Yeah. So, it's just like, really, guys? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Alex Ryder, and we're going to talk about season two, the first two episodes. And the first episode is very much, it's been maybe a few months, the new school year, since his last Adventures of Season 1, and he's not doing that great. He's seeing a... A therapist who he's talking through his PTSD with, and he keeps saying that he's seeing the guy with the scar, and he thinks he's going nuts seeing this dude. And then he, we see him see him, but we as the audience are pretty sure he's really seeing that guy. Like, although we, they do make you question it a little, just they, a little, a little, they question it a little, a little. They, they, they play some editing games with the audience initially. I, I, 
Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I'd like to start only because um, I don't have that much to say, and I don't think, I don't think I've started, it, you know, in a while. I because here's the thing, uh, I've been told by you guys that it's good, uh, maybe even great, really compelling, fun to watch, uh, and so I did, I did a very stupid thing. I did not leave myself a reasonable amount of time to binge it. So it absolutely became a sunrise show for me. I had to catch up the entire first season. So I will say I had some problems with, with the, with the plot. You know, I was like, they can't do that. Or I was like, why didn't he just do that? I was like, that doesn't make sense. But um, I loved the pace of the show. I love the feel of the show. The lead is really good, um, really good. So I, I will move right into the second season because I absolutely was well into sunlight hours when I watched um, this finale. And it was <laughs> so good that I was like- Wait, we were talking about the first no two episodes. I know, I'm about to say it. So there's no way I should be watching the start of a second season. Oh. And I was like- Dear Lord, if I binge 16 hours, I will be completely crazy. So I actually stopped after the first episode. So that's why I want to just get in and get out because I will mute um, or, you know, silence. Um, so I was very curious to see what what now, how, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, and it's sort of like not a reboot, but, you know, it's a different storyline. So they link it to the first first season, obviously. And it's this they hint, drop all these hints about the big bad, you know, the scar Scarface. Um, um, you know, being sort of the leader of this scorpion thingy. Um, but then they do that whole thing with blurring out his partner or buddy, because clearly the Scarface dude is smiling. So obviously to me, it's got to be his dad. You know what I mean? And uh, whether or not maybe the dad's not dead, because they, you know, I don't, I don't know. But for me, I thought the show was incredibly fun to watch for a season. It sounds like you guys are going to tell me second season is good. Um, and so uh, I liked uh, I, cause I really wondered what were they going to do? So when he called for help and he was like, Mrs. Jones, you know, blah, blah, and then I was like, Oh, where'd they go? Oh my God. He's on his own. You know, kind of thing. I was like, no, I was so invested in him and his struggle and his journey. So at the end, when the head of the secret service agency of, of Britain, whatever, uh, you know, hides the fact you know, that, um, uh, was the big thing? for help. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I thought, Oh, this is, this is going to get good. I don't, you know, so I'm hugely on board. Like I'm, I'm going to binge today, I think. So if that's, if you want to know what you son's doing all day, I'm watching the second season. of <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right, Tom, go ahead. Cause you were raving about it the other day as well. Yeah. The, the first episode, basically he's dealing with the PTSD and then he and Tom and Jack go on a holiday and he meets a he meets a girl, and they do the flirty thing, and then they're you know doing the thing, and then he's then they see the house she's staying at blow up, right? And they run back to the house. He rescues the dad, and um, but anyway, he does try to tell the police what happened. But he does try to tell the police. Too. They think he's mental. But um, so in episode two, the big thing is he's trying to go, and he sees Yasin Gregorovich. Scarface dude. Yeah, he saw him driving the van, and driving he tries to contact uh, Blunt, who's the head of the MI6 group, and he's trying all kinds of stuff. He meets with a friend, you know, uh, the guy who's pretending to be his dad. He's like, how did you know him? And he tracks him down. He does a lot of cool spy work to track down the head of this organization, only to walk in the middle of a takedown and screw it up. Yep, so, yep. Smoking mirror. Yeah, so that was actually really pretty good. Like, Sabu Terrace. I have a pet peeve. Okay. As much as American, as much as American producers cast Brits to play Americans, 
Dear Brit broadcasters, please cast some Americans to play Americans. Thank you. Dear Brits cannot do American accents. That is absolutely correct. I think the ones who can are already working on American shows playing Americans. (laughs) The the black CIA woman. Oh, my God. Her accent is awful. But no, it's it's a great scene. It's, It's fun to see Tom completely involved with the action and Jack having to cover. The main thing is that he thinks he's crazy. The girlfriend's father blows up. He puts a conspiracy theory together. And in the second episode, he's really trying to make connections with the division and ask for their help, and they blow him off. And you realize that, because at first you're thinking, well, once he gets in contact with them, they'll totally help him. And no. And so that's the disheartening part where he was pretty much on his own for a lot of this season. And it's cool to watch him work to see all the things that he learned from first season that he puts into action this season. So that's and he's I, a resourceful kid too. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I enjoy, Allison, I, go go ahead. What do you think? Um, I have to say, I overall I really liked season two, but I I have to say that I was really frustrated through a lot of it because one of the things that just annoy me as a trope is the whole idea of you take a character that everyone should have some respect for that ever that who is, has, you know, proved themselves as being reliable and, and functional and people should be believing this person when they say something. And instead they all react as if they're crazy. And well, that I think is part just of it, a trope think, that makes me make it just, well, I think in the, because they established in the first yeah, but in the first episode, they established that he thinks he's nuts. And he's well, told which, everybody he thinks fine. he's nuts. That's fine if it had been just the one episode. I was like, okay, great. So by the end of this, you know, we'll we'll go. Um, and by the end of the episode, at least he knows he's not nuts anymore. But the thing is, everybody else does. And, and it continues that way until almost the end of the series. And that is just a trope I hate. And I, I had to really kind of get past that because th- that was that's just something that I just find to be a really cheap device. I, I think, but um, the only thing is, I will say, uh, every I would say most people end up, they end up believing him except for like the division guy, who the is, main dude. Yeah, because yeah, but he has eventually, but it's but, I mean, but, really... but also because he has he's listing in on his psych psych evaluations. And so the psych person is like, yeah, he's totally nuts. So I think that works for me, but I get your point, but we need to move on. We we do need to move on though. Go ahead. Uh, One quick, uh, you got one quick comment. Just real quick, real quickly to kind of, to kind of split the difference. One thing that they kind of hint at season two, but they don't lean into he's a minor. He should not be doing spy stuff. Shame on them for season one for putting him in so much danger. And so they they could have said, hey, you know, whatever's going on with you, you're a freaking minor. It is so illegal to be using you as an asset. So I think that's what the boss was more worried about, too. But we need to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. Yeah. We're done. All right. So I'd say thumbs up overall. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Lost in Space. And we're going to talk about the first two episodes. But I want Peru to talk about the first episode because that's the... No memory of it. You have no memory of it? (laughs) All right, Tom, what do you got for the first episode? Oh, well, the big thing with episode one is uh, they they evidently use stock footage from earlier seasons because the actor who plays Will grew half a foot. Right. 
in between seasons two and three. So they do a year time jump where basically the kids, for the most part, are on their own with Dr. Smith, the babysitter from hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the parents are all separated. And so that forms the, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a desire for the parents, for the kids to want to get back to their parents, or do they plow forward? And, um, yeah. What, what I liked about the, the first episode was, uh, at least from the kids' perspective, there was, like you said, there were things going on, like they separated the kids from the adults. But what I liked about the kids' part is, what's her name, Judy? What's the oldest daughter? Yeah, Judy. Uh-huh. The amount of responsibility on her shoulder. Now that she's captain, Seriously. like, you know, you have, you know, some of the kids treat her like she's the adult. And then some challenge her every two seconds uh, without understanding the weight that she has on her shoulder. So I just, I thought it was just really, really well done. So, I don't know. And, well, she is technically an adult. So. Right. Well, though she looks like a kid, but I got you. <laughs> yeah. And then episode two involves a mysterious tunnel on the planet where the kids and Smith are. And um, yeah, there's stuff lurking there that I don't want to spoil inadvertently. <laughs> Smith's character in the first episode, uh, you don't really know where she's coming from. She's very uh, subtle. And what her motivations are, or, you know, I don't know. Libby was talking about how, and every, well, at least in, in, in season two, how Smith starts off like she's reformed, and then she just betrays everybody. I never believe she's reformed. Uh, you know, and then in the third season, she starts off seeming like she's reformed. <laughs> but then she then starts, Why would you believe it? And, and then she starts whispering poison in different people's ears. Uh, yeah, she's she going after Will. Uh, what's the name? Always. Will she's Rogers, always Will going Rogers, after Will. And I'm like, first of all, she's not going to reform. She's a sociopath. <laughs> yep. So there's no reform. She doesn't understand the concept of reforming. Mm-hmm. She understands that she should feel guilty under certain circumstances, but she never does. But she's playing nope. nice, at least in the first episode. Yeah, she's a <laughs> high-functioning sociopath. Teaching French, <laughs> which she doesn't speak well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, any other thoughts before we wrap this up? No, it's, uh, having seen the whole thing, it's a great season. Okay. All right, that's good to know. All right, so if you guys have any questions or comments, you send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. We're on sci-fi.radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.